The Sangha is invited to go back to our breathing so that our collective energy of mindfulness will bring us together as an organism, going as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, chant as one body, listen as one body, and transcend the frontiers of a delusive self, liberating from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex. Oh, <laughs> 
Breathing in, I know I have a body. Breathing out, I smile to my body. Breathing in, I know I am alive. Breathing out, I smile to life in me and around me. Good morning, dear Sangha. Uh, today is uh, the 20th of April, 2014. We are in the Assembly of Stars Meditation Hall, Lower Hamlet, Plum Village, in our uh, spring uh, session. I remember that years ago, uh, every time I uh, came to uh, uh, California to give uh, a uh, retreat and a Dhamma talk, I stayed in a monastery up on the mountain in Northern California. And there were many uh, sequoia trees. Uh, There was a little hut where I stayed and surrounding uh, many uh, sequoia trees. Segoya Sempervirens. And one day, a journalist from San Francisco came and interviewed me about the practice of mindfulness. Every time I, I, I came to Northern California, he always came and interviewed me for the San Francisco uh, Chronicle. It was the first time he came to the place. And I invited him to have a tea before the interview. And he sat uh, outside of the hut uh, at the foot of uh, a group of uh, of a sequoia trees. You know, sequoia trees, they can live very long, sometimes 1,000 years. And I invited him to forget about the interview and just enjoy tea with me. And he was uh, uh, good enough to say yes. (laughs) 
So I uh, prepared tea and invite him to uh, join in uh, the tea ceremony. Forgetting about the interview and just enjoy ourselves uh, the fresh air, the sequoia trees, and the tea. Because I, I was aware that uh, in order to write a good article on the practice of mindfulness, you have to taste something of the practice and, just, and not just to ask questions and got some answers. They would not help uh, uh, readers to understand what mindfulness is. So I try to uh, help him to enjoy uh, uh, the tea mindfulness of uh, drinking tea, and that was a practice. And apparently he enjoyed uh, having tea with me and forgetting all about uh, the interview. It was something difficult for a journalist, because in their mind they just want to get interview and go home and write. But this one was good enough to, to, to got in uh, on the practice, and was a, he was able to uh, to enjoy the tea. I help him to be aware of uh, the beautiful uh, sequoia trees, of uh, the sunshine, of the fresh air, and of the fact that uh, in this busy time we have. Uh, opportunity to sit down and just to enjoy a cup of tea. And then after that we had a good uh, interview and I uh, uh, I walked uh, with him to the parking lot. And halfway uh, to the parking lot I stopped. I invited him to look at the sky and breathe and smile. Breathing in, I'm aware of the sky above. Breathing out, I smile to the sky. And we spend one or two minutes just uh, sitting there looking at the sky and breathe and enjoy the blue sky. And when we came to the car, he told me that uh, it was the first time that he saw the sky like that. He really got in touch with the blue sky. Of course, he had seen the sky several times, but this is the first time he really saw the sky. Many of you have read uh, a novel written by... uh, Albert Camus, a French uh, novelist. And this, uh, this novel has uh, been made into a, a movie, L'Etranger, The Stranger. The Stranger. In this novel, 
Gamusas talk about a young man who had committed a crime. He killed someone, and he was about to be executed. And three days before the execution, uh, lying down in his uh, cell in the prison, he looked up, and suddenly he see he saw the blue sky through a skylight. Just a square uh, surface of the sky, of the blue sky, but he saw it, and he, it it looked it it. Uh, he felt that it was the first time he was able to see the sky that much, that deep. Of course, uh, he had seen the sky several times. But uh, this, this is the first time he was able to see the sky that deep. And only a square uh, piece of sky. Maybe because of the fact that he was about to be executed, that is why he cherished uh, the time that is left for him to live. And that, that kind of awakening, that kind of capacity to get in touch with reality, is called by uh, by Camus. The moment of conscience, a moment of uh, consciousness, a moment of mindfulness. Uh, thanks to mindfulness, he was able to get in touch with the sky, blue sky, for the first time. And uh, a few moments after that, he was announced that a Catholic priest was coming in order to perform the rituals for him to. Uh, prepare himself to die. But he didn't want to receive the priest because he is aware that he only had very, very short time to live his life and he did not want to spend his time with those things he don't believe too much. He saw himself as someone who is awake, who has woken up, but Catholic priest is still uh, in the dark in forgetfulness. And, uh, and he, uh, he, he thought, he think, he thought about the, the Catholic priest as someone who is not alive. He, who was about to be executed, now he is truly alive, awake. But the Catholic priest, he, according to the words of Anbe Camus, he lived like a dead man. In V come Amor. Vivre come Amor. To live as a dead, a dead man. In V come Amor.
And that is the word used by Camus in the, in the novel. And many of us are like that. We are alive, and yet we, are, we live as dead people, because we do not have that moment of awakening, of consciousness in us. We are not mindful. We are not mindful that we have a body, which is a wonder. We are not mindful that surrounding us there are wonders of life, like the blue sky and so on. We walk like sleepwalkers. We are not really alive. We are turned off. We are not on in order to be there and to live deeply our life. So we need a kind of waking up in order to be alive again, in order to touch the wonders of life. And Merksol, Merksol, the young man who was about to be executed, he had the opportunity to wake up a few days after his execution, and he was able to come in touch for the first time with the blue sky, which is one of the wonders of life that are available in the here and the now. Because they had that in mind, that is why he, were, he invited the journalist to, <laughs> to, to stop on the way to the parking lot and look up the sky and breathe and get in touch. And it was a successful uh, exercise of mindfulness. And that is why the journalist said that uh, it is the first time that I see the sky in such a way, very deep. And it turned out that uh, the article he wrote about the practice of mindfulness is a very good one because he 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 just did he he, he did not just uh, ask questions and recorded answer, but he also practiced mindfulness, mindfulness of drinking tea, mindfulness of walking, mindfulness of breathing and looking at the sky. So the practice of mindfulness is a practice that helps us to wake up and to touch, first of all, the wonders of life that are available in the here and the now. And you have, uh, and when you have waking up, you know that you have a body. And your body is a wonder. Looking into your body, you see the whole cosmos. You are made of stars. You are made of ancestors. And you can see Father, Son, and Mother Earth in you. And you see that you are not just this tiny uh, body. You are the cosmos. And your enlightenment, your understanding, your awakening continue to grow. Thanks to the fact that you have woken up and you begin to touch reality as a wonder. So to wake up means to wake up to something. And first of all, that you have a body. That your body is made of uh, Mother Earth, Father Sun, and the stars. 
you wake up to the fact that the sky is so beautiful. The earth is uh, a jewel of the cosmos. And because you are, you have been uh, so busy, you are caught in so many uh, things, many kind of worries and angers, and anger and projects that you forget that you are there in order to enjoy the wonders of life. Without uh, that kind of uh, mindfulness, that kind of awareness, we all live like a dead people. And with the practice of mindfulness, breathing in mindfully and making mindful steps, we can wake up and begin to get in touch with the wonders of life. We realize that uh, the planet Earth is the most beautiful jewel of the cosmos. And we have the opportunity to be a child of the Earth and to be making steps on this planet Earth. And that alone can make us happy already. There are those who have a lot of money, who have a lot of power and fame and sex, and yet they suffer very deeply. But you, who do not have much of these kind of things, but if you have awakening, you have mindfulness, and then every step you make on this beautiful planet can bring you a lot of happiness and joy already. And that is why we can say that uh, to wake up is always to wake up to something. And that, first of all, that something is that life is a wonder. There are many wonders of life that are in you and around you, available in the here and the now, and you can get in touch. And the blue, blue sky is a symbol. The blue sky is a sample. If you can get in touch with the blue sky, you can get in touch with the fresh air, you can get in touch with the sunshine, you can get in touch with the river, the ocean, and the stars. And mindfulness helps us to get in touch. Because mindfulness is a kind of enlightenment, kind of uh, uh, awakening. And the Buddha is just a human being who is awake. And the good translation of the word Buddha is the one who is awake. And those of us who know how to breathe and to walk in such a way that can help us wake up, we are all Buddhas. To be a Buddha is something possible. And there are full-time Buddhas, and there are part-time Buddhas. <laughs> and everyone can be a Buddha by the practice of, uh, with the practice of mindful breathing, mindful uh, breathing, mindful uh, eating, mindful looking, and so on. And uh, when you breathe, when you breathe in mindfully, 
you focus your attention on your in-breath. And your in-breath may last only two or three seconds. But if you are very mindful of your in-breath and focus your attention on your in-breath, and just one in-breath can wake you up. And that is the miracle of mindful breathing. Because when you breathe mindfully in, you bring your mind home to your body. Perhaps your body, before that, your body is there, but your mind is elsewhere. It is uh, either got uh, trapped into the past, uh, you are caught by your sorrow, your regret concerning the past. Uh, you are caught in the future, uncertainty and fear about future. Uh, you are caught in your projects. You are caught about your uh, anger and fear. And your mind is not with your body. And when you begin to breathe in, you bring your mind home to your body. And it takes two or three seconds. And when body and mind are together, you find yourself in the here and the now, fully present, fully present, fully alive. And that is already awakening. Because breathing mindfully like that, you become awake. You establish yourself in the here and the now, and you become alive again. When your mind is not with your body, you are not truly there. Remember, when you spend two hours or three hours with your computer, you forget completely that you have a body. Your mind is caught in your work or in, in something in the internet, and your body is left alone. And when mind and, and body are not uh, together, you are not truly there. So according to this practice, when you breathe in and bring your mind home to your body, suddenly you go back to the here and the now and you become fully present and fully alive. And uh, enlightenment, awakening, may happen just after two seconds or three seconds of practice. And from you were not really alive three seconds ago. And after uh, and thanks to the mindful in-breath, you become alive again. And that is the practice of resurrection. Today is a very special day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. People live like that, that, that man, that woman. But if they know how to breathe mindfully and to walk mindfully, they are resurrected. 
and the resurrection is a practice. And if Jesus Christ could do it, and then we, human beings like him, we can do it also. Because uh, Jesus is the Son of God, but he is also the Son of Man and a child of the earth. And we are also uh, son and sons and daughters of men, and we are also children of the God. And Jesus could do it, came back to life, and we can also do it. We can always go back to life by practicing awakening mindfulness. Therefore, in a state of forgetfulness, forgetfulness, thakniam, chứ thắc làm sao? Thakniam. You pass into the state of mindfulness. And from forgetfulness, you pass into mindfulness just by two seconds or three seconds making a step or making a taking one in breath. And then the miracle of of uh, of uh, resurrection happened, and that is the practice of uh, of uh, of uh, mindfulness. Resurrection is not a belief, a dogma. Res- resurrection is a practice. And learning how to breathe mindfully, how to walk mindfully, how to eat mindfully, how to drive mindfully, become awakened people, alive people. And we have the chance to live deeply every moment that is given us to live in our daily life. We do not live as dead people. If we look around, we see that many people are circulating around, but they are not alive. Because they do not have that awareness, that mindfulness. They carry that that body and they circulate around us. And if you are someone who is awake, you can help them to wake up and to be alive again. And that can be done in just one, two, three seconds. The practice is simple. To be alive is possible. To live deeply every moment of our daily life is something possible. And to give our life a real value, a real quality. Because most of us live like dead people. Uh, To use the word of uh, Amber Kamek. When we wake up, we wake up to the beauty of life, to the wonders of life, 
and we can get in touch with these uh, wonders of life, full of uh, 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 having the power to to heal and to nourish. Because all of us need uh, nourishment and healing. And if we bring ourselves back home to the here and the now, and then we can get in touch with those uh, refreshing, healing, nourishing elements of life that are available in the here and the now in order to heal ourselves and to nourish ourselves. And if we can do it for ourselves, we can help people around us to do the same. And that is the first uh, uh, thing that happened on, uh, when we practice uh, uh, mindfulness. We wake up to the fact that joy and happiness are possible. Not just dream uh, projects. Because uh, practitioners of mindfulness, they know how to generate a feeling of joy and a feeling of happiness whenever they want. And the, and, uh, and the principle is very simple. When you breathe in mindfully and bring your mind home to your body, you are established in the here and the now. You recognize that many wonders of life are available, that you have many conditions to be happy right here and right now. You don't have to run into the future in order to, to look for more conditions of happiness. In the present moment, you have more than enough conditions to be happy. And that, with that kind of awareness and understanding, to create a feeling of joy and feeling of happiness is always possible. And that is why for practitioners of mindfulness, to create a moment of joy or happiness for himself, for herself, is always possible. One in-breath or one step making mindfulness can already bring happiness. With the, with the insight that you are alive, it's a wonder to be alive and to be walking on this planet Earth. So happiness is possible, joy is possible. That is something you wake up to uh, when you practice. And then go home to the here and the now, you might get in touch with suffering. Because suffering is a reality. There is a suffering in us. And there is suffering in the world. You wake up to the suffering of yourself and of humanity, of the world. There is suffering inside of us, but most of us do not want to acknowledge that. Our suffering might have been transmitted to us by our father, our mother, our ancestors. And they 
our ancestors, our parents may not be able to transform that suffering. And that is why they have transmitted that suffering to us. And therefore, sometimes we suffer and we don't know why we suffer like that. So there is suffering inside of us. And that suffering carries within itself the suffering of our father, our mother, ancestors. And with mindfulness, we can recognize that. We recognize the suffering in us, in the people around us, in our nation, in the world. And the practice of mindfulness helps us to calm down the suffering, to bring a relief and to transform it. If you know the practice of mindfulness, especially the practice of mindful breathing, mindful walking, you have enough energy of mindfulness and concentration to recognize the suffering in you and to embrace it tenderly. And if you know how to recognize and embrace your suffering tenderly, you get a relief, you suffer less. And if you know the practice well, you can go further. You are able to transform it into something more positive, like uh, uh, you are making good use of the mud in order to grow lotus flowers. Because there is a deep link, a deep connection between suffering and happiness. The fact is that those of us who know the practice of mindfulness, not only we can generate joy and happiness, but we can we know how to suffer. Suffering is an art. And with some training, you find out that if you know how to suffer, you suffer much less. Using the energy of mindfulness and concentration, you embrace your suffering, you calm it down, you suffer much less. And then you can go further. You can make good use of suffering in order to create joy and happiness. The way we use the mud in order to create lotus flowers. And Jesus Christ, he knew it. He knew that we have to go through suffering. We have to learn from suffering. And we can make good use of suffering in order to, to, to create happiness. According to the... When you, when you read the, the Gospel according to Luke, and when you come to the... To the to the line that talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You, you see that Jesus was aware that suffering is important. And if we don't know that, we try always to run away from suffering. And we cannot make good use of suffering in order to create uh, well-being and happiness. That Sunday, two days after the 
the death of Jesus Christ, many disciples of him came to the tomb and found that his body, his dead body, was not there. And that two of them was walking to a village uh, near Jerusalem called Emmaus. And one of them with the name uh, Cleopas. And they walk to the village of Emmaus, about six, seven kilometers from Jerusalem. And they talk about the miracle. about the death, about Jesus. And walking with them, there was another man. And that man did not say anything. But at one point, he stopped and asked the two disciples of Jesus what they are talking about. I think these two, two, uh, these two uh, gentlemen Disciple of Jesus, they did not know uh, the art of mindful walking. They just talk. <laughs> <laughs> and the third person walking with them, he did not talk. And at a point, one point, he said, What are you talking about, gentlemen? And Cleopas said, Well, are you a stranger to Jerusalem? Here, everyone knows what happened in the last few days. Jesus was crucified. He died. And then this morning, he, he came back to life again. And Jesus said, told them that uh, don't you know that uh, the Son of, of Man has to go through that kind of suffering in order to get His glory, to come to His glory? Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into His glory? That is exactly the words in Luke uh, 26, uh, Luke 24:26, it proved that uh, Jesus know the role of suffering. If you don't go through suffering, if don't you don't understand suffering, if you don't know how to make good use of suffering, you can not get the well-being, the glory that you deserve. And they continued to walk, and uh, it was dark. But uh, the two, the two friends, want to stop to an inn and invite uh, the third one to to join them. And when they came to the inn, resting and having uh, having dinner together, the third man began to break the bread, serve the wine, and gave to them, and through that kind of gesture, they recognized that he is Jesus Christ. Because only Jesus, only Jesus Christ can break the bread in that way, 
and uh, and 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 uh, serve the wine in that way. You walk with Jesus many miles, but you don't recognize him. Until you saw him take the bread, break it, and give it to you. Because his way of doing that is very special. Is very mindful. In Plumvillage, uh, we have uh, that sentence, the bread in your hand is the body of the cosmos. So when you hold a piece of bread, you have to hold with your ut- utmost respect the whole cosmos have come together in order to offer you this piece of bread. It's like uh, in the Catholic, um, in the Christian tradition, the Eucharistic. When the priest break the bread, he said that this is the body of Jesus. But in Plumbridge, we said that this, this bread is the body of the cosmos. And it's very easy to understand. Because the sun, moon, uh, rain, uh, earth has come together in order to bring you this uh, piece of bread. It is really the body of the cosmos. And if you hold the bread like that and you give a piece of bread to your friend, that is the way the Buddha uh, uh, does and the way of uh, Jesus Jesus Christ, the way he break the bread and gave it to his friends. To wake up in its higher form is to wake up to the nature of no birth and no death. The first thing of waking up the first thing you touch when you wake up is the wonders of life, including your body. And then you wake up to happiness and joy that are possible. And you wake up to suffering that is somehow useful, necessary for the existence of well-being. And then the highest form of awakening is the touching of our true nature, the nature of no birth and no death. The nature of Jesus Christ is nature of no birth and no death. It's not because of birth that Jesus exists. It's not because of death that Jesus does not exist anymore. He's free from birth and death. And in the practice 
of mindfulness, we found we find the same. When you look uh, deeply into a cloud, you see that the nature of the cloud is the nature of no birth and no death. And this is easy enough for us to see. To meditate is to have a time in order to to look more deeply. And we look if we look deeply into a cloud, we can find that the true nature of the cloud is the nature of no birth and no death. Because in our mind, to be born means from nothing you become something. That is our definition of birth. <coughs> this is a meditation. You believe that you are born in this point. And this point you call be birth. And you continue to be until you arrive at another point you call D, death. So the segment BD represents life, being. And the segment ending with B here represents non-being. And our definition of birth is from the realm of non-being. You come into the realm of being. That is our way of thinking. You were no one and suddenly you become someone. You got a birth certificate saying that before that date, that hour, you did not exist. But after that date, that time, you begin to exist. That is our, our, our definition of birth. From nothing, you become something. From no one, you become someone. That, are, that is our definition, our thinking about birth. From the realm of non-being, you pass into the realm of being. And when you die, From the realm of being, you pass again into the realm of non-being. So the notion of birth and death is very much linked to the notion of being and non-being. But when you observe a cloud, you find out and you wake up to the fact that the cloud never dies. A a cloud cannot become nothing. You cannot force a cloud to become nothing. It is possible for a cloud to become the rain or the snow or the hail 
dark eyes, but it is impossible for a cloud to become nothing. And you can talk about the immortality of the cloud. When the cloud is transformed into the rain, the cloud does not really die. Because to die means from something you become nothing. But the cloud cannot become nothing. And if a cloud cannot die, how can Jesus die? How can you die? So if you think that one day you will die, you are wrong. It's impossible for you to die. And this is confirmed by science also. Because the first law of thermodynamics, the law of the conservation of matter and energy, are saying the same. You cannot create matter, and you cannot destroy matter. You cannot create uh, energy, and you cannot destroy energy. Matter can be transferred into another kind of matter. And matter can be transformed into energy. Energy can be transformed into another kind of energy and transformed back into matter. But both matter and energy cannot be destroyed. And that is uh, what scientists told us. And the French uh, scientist Lavoisier said, nothing is born, nothing dies. Rien ne se crée, rien ne se perd. And you know that Lavoisier was not a Buddhist. He was just a scientist and he found the same, same thing. Rien ne se crée, rien ne se perd, tout se transforme. Nothing is born, nothing died. Everything is transforming. And that is the truth. When you talk about the birth of a cloud, you cannot say that the cloud has become from the realm of non-being. No. Before being a cloud, the cloud had been something like water vapor, the water in the ocean, the heat generated by the sun. So the cloud has not come from nothing. The cloud has not come from the realm of non-being to the realm of being. So the true nature of the cloud is no birth and no death. To meditate means to have the time to look deeply. And when you look deeply into a cloud, you see that the cloud has never been born and it will never die. And interestingly enough, uh, science agrees with it, that our true nature is the nature of no birth and no death. So we have to understand birth and death, the birth and death of Jesus, in that way, in order for us to be able to touch the living Christ and to touch the living cloud and the living us.
if a cloud can never die, we can never die either. We will continue always in other forms. We can never die, cannot die. And that can remove all kinds of fears. And the highest object of waking up is to wake up to our true nature, our nature of no birth and no death. And God is our true nature. God is the ultimate reality, no birth and no death. And in Buddhism, uh, nirvana means the same thing. Nirvana is the nature of no birth and no death. And we do not have to go and look for God, for nirvana, for the nature of no birth and no death, because we are well uh, established in that nature. When you contemplate a, a wave on the surface of the ocean, you see that uh, there is a beginning of the wave, and the wave is going up, and the wave is going down, and there is a, at the end of a wave. There is a beginning, there is an end, there is going up, there is going down, there is the, this moment the cloud is, but the next moment the cloud is no longer there. So if a cloud does not uh, meditate, she will be scared. She's caught in the notion of beginning, ending, going up, going down, to be there and not to be there. But if the cloud has some time to meditate, she will be able to go back to herself and touch her own nature, water. Because uh, it is absolutely possible for a cloud to be water at the same time. You can live the life of a cloud, but you can at the same time live the life of water. The notions of beginning, ending, going up, going down can be applied to the wave, but cannot be applied to water. And the moment when the wave realizes that she is water, she loses all fear. And she's no longer afraid of beginning, ending, going up and going down. So the essential is that the wave touch her true nature and realize that she, her nature is water. And when she knows that she is water, she enjoys going up, going down. And she will never die because she will be in other another wave later on. But does, does the wave have, have to go and search for water? No. She doesn't have to go and look for water because she is water in the here and the now. We don't have to go and search for nirvana, for God, for the nature of birth and death, because that is our true nature. And the highest form of waking up is to wake up to our true nature, the nature of birth, no birth and no death. But because we are so busy in our daily concern, making money, 
finding uh, some fame and power and profit. And that is why we do not have the time to go back to ourselves and touch our nature of no birth and no death. For those of us who have enough time in order to look deeply, we see the connection between suffering and happiness. We can talk about the goodness of suffering. Jesus himself, he knew that we have to go through suffering in order to realize our greatness. You have to see the role of suffering and you should know how to handle suffering. For practitioners of mindfulness, not only we know how to generate a feeling of joy and happiness to nourish us and nourish our beloved one. But you also know how to handle a painful feeling, a painful emotion, the art of suffering. And we learn that if we know how to suffer, we suffer much less. And we can make good use of the suffering in order to create joy and happiness. And if we can do it for ourselves, we can help people around us to do the same, because they they suffer also. Most of us are afraid of suffering, and we tend to run away from our suffering. We have no courage to come home and recognize the suffering inside and embrace tenderly. But in a Buddhist tradition, we are urged to go home to ourselves, recognize the suffering and embrace it in order to suffer less. And if you are not afraid of going home and embrace your suffering because you know how to generate the energy of mindfulness and concentration. When you train yourself to breathe, to walk in mindfulness, you create that energy of mindfulness and concentration and insight that help you to be strong enough to go home and touch the suffering, embrace it, and bring a relief and suffer less. And that is what we have to learn. And when we are able to do it for ourselves, we will help people around us to do it. So to wake up is to wake up to the fact that joy and happiness are possible, that uh, transforming um, suffering is possible, 
healing is possible for us and for the people around. And finally, waking up is to wake up to our nature of uh, no birth and no death and transcend anxiety and fear. And for us who are practitioners of mindfulness, we are no longer afraid of suffering. We see the positive role of suffering because we know how to suffer less and to make good use of suffering. Like the way we make good use of the mud in order to grow beautiful lotus flowers. When you look at this sheet of paper, you see that uh, we can distinguish the left side and the right side. According to formal logic, the left is only the left, and the right is only the right. But with this practice of meditation, we see that left needs the right in order to be. If the right is not there, the left cannot be there either. It's very simple. I cannot ask someone of you to come up here and to bring the, the right and go to Bordeaux and someone else to bring the left to, uh, to Paris. No, because they are together. They want to be together. They, they, can, they cannot be by themselves alone. They have to interbe with each other. So suffering and happiness are the same. They cannot be by themselves alone. They have to interbe with each other. So to be is really to interbe. If politically you are on the left, don't try to make the right disappear. Because if the right disappears, you disappear at the same time. (laughs) So in meditate, you see a deep connection between suffering and happiness, and you know to handle both. How to handle happiness, how to generate joy and happiness, and by using by making good use of, uh, of suffering. Everything is impermanent. Everything is changing, including happiness and suffering. Happiness, if you don't know how to nourish it, it will die and become suffering. And if you know how to handle suffering, you can turn it back into happiness. Everything is possible. And that is why we have to learn both art, the art of happiness and the art of suffering. And if you know one art well, you know also the other art. And that is why it's wonderful to come together and sit down and exchange and share our understanding and our practice. How How do I create a feeling of joy and happiness, making use of suffering? 
how can I handle a painful feeling, a painful emotion? How can I bring about a, a relief? How can I transform myself? How can I help my beloved one to suffer less? All these things are worth talking about. And when you wake up to, to happiness and joy, you know that life has a meaning. And when you wake up to the, to the reality of suffering in the world, you know how to handle suffering and to help other people to suffer less. And your life has a meaning. And uh, if you know the practice of mindfulness, and then drinking a glass of water can bring you happiness. Eating an orange can bring you happiness. Making a step can bring you happiness. Breathing uh, the air can bring you happiness. Helping a person in difficulty can bring happiness. Happiness is possible with practitioners of mindfulness. Happiness is, is possible when you drive your car, when you uh, wash uh, your dishes. Happiness is possible at any moment if you know the art of living mindfully. And the relief of suffering is possible if you know how to handle a painful feeling, a painful emotions. There are so many young people who commit suicide because they don't know how to handle a strong, painful emotion. But you, who know the practice, you know how to recognize the suffering, the strong emotion. You, who know how to practice mindful breathing, mindful walking, it is possible for you to handle a strong emotion. You know that uh, emotion is something that comes stay for a while and finally has to go away. And you are much more than an emotion. Why do you have to die just because of one emotion? And practitioners of mindfulness are capable of handling a strong emotion. And he or she can help another person to do the same. And we know that we are much more than one emotion. Our territory is very large. Form, feelings, perceptions, mental formation, consciousness. One emotion is a very tiny part of us. Why do we have to die because of one emotion? And young people are dying, are committing suicide every day. In Great Britain, in France, in Japan, young people, many of them die every day just because they don't know how to handle a strong emotion. So you have to learn, you have to learn how to handle a painful emotion. We have to help our, our friends, the young people, to do it. And this is always possible. We know how to use our time. We, we know how to make good use of our time in order to live more deeply and joyfully every moment that He is giving us to live. We want to make good use of our time in order to uh, handle the suffering, 
to transform them and to help people around us to suffer less. And suddenly we find that our life has a meaning and every minute of our daily life is very precious. We don't want to waste them. I think it has stopped raining. We can do walking meditation together. Walking meditation is to enjoy walking uh, in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is available in the here and the now. And with mindfulness, you can touch the kingdom of God. Every, every blade of grass, every flower, every pebble belong to the kingdom. The kingdom of God is on earth. That's what I realize. With uh, those of us who are mindful, the kingdom is available in the here and the now. And it should be, be able to touch the kingdom with every step. And for me, the kingdom is now or never. If you wait until you die in order to go to the kingdom, it will be too late. And that is why, that is why with mindfulness in yourself, you are alive. To be alive is a practice. Just breathe in mindfully and bring your mind home to your body and you are alive. From forgetfulness, you become mindfulness. And when you are alive, fully present, one step is good enough for you to get into the kingdom of God. And that is walking meditation. To enjoy touching the kingdom of God with every step in the here and the now. And later on, we will not regret that we have wasted our life. We have lived like dead people and not people who are alive. I have arrived. I am home. The kingdom of God is my home. The nature of no birth and no death is my home. And it is possible for us to wake up to the wonders of life, to the kingdom of God, and to the nature of no birth and no death.